Welcome back to another episode of Fun Views Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Pops. Today's guest is Dave Seymour. Dave was an immigrant who became a firefighter, TV star, real estate investor, and now a fund manager. He is currently raising for his first fund as Freedom Venture Investments, but is no stranger to all aspects of real estate investing and management. Dave speaks about his unique transition into fund management, the public market's disconnection from fundamentals, Kentucky Fried Chicken's disconnection with common sense, and opportunities in the COVID environment. Dave is an extremely entertaining and motivating guest. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I do. Good afternoon, Dave. Uh, Seymour, Dave Seymour, tell me about your background. You know, you didn't start in real estate. What did you do um, as a living prior to being a real estate investor? And, and um, what, how did that come to be? Sure, sure. Hey, Greg, thanks for, thanks for finding the time to uh, touch gloves with me a little bit. Yeah, no, look, my name is Dave Seymour. Name of my company is Freedom Venture Investments, and uh, I wasn't always always in the fund management business. My my journey is kind of interesting. I uh, I'm actually an immigrant to the United States. Don't tell anyone; Shh, it's a secret. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I'm a naturalized citizen. I came from England. Uh, I was born in London. I grew up in the south coast of England, a little town called Andover in Hampshire. And at uh, at a ripe old age of just turned twenty, I actually emigrated. Followed my uh, my first wife, who was an American citizen. To the United States, and um, you know, back then I was still very much, um, you know, trading time for money. Like uh, I didn't have a, a huge financial background. I certainly didn't have a big real estate background. Uh, I, you know, I had a good work ethic. I mean, uh, I've always, I've always put in the time and the effort to to do the best I could with with the tools in front of me. But um, you know, w- without going on a full full biography, if you will, I. Um, <laughs> At uh, the age of 29 years old, um, I was uh, afforded an opportunity. I tested for uh, both police and fire departments, which is kind of interesting. I've always liked teamwork, man. I like I like camaraderie. You know, I like to to lock arms and go to war with with men and women that that have a, a similar mindset, if you will, right? Similar journey and purpose. And um, I was blessed to uh, be offered a position with uh, the Lynn Fire Department. Just north of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm in. I'm in the Boston market today, and uh, spent 16 years. 16 years as a firefighter and a paramedic, uh, wow. but also, yeah, also 16 years without any financial um, knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, in the in the great great country in which we live, and, and America is is built on the backs of, of of working working men and women, right? And I was one of them. And um, yeah, you know, I. I it's funny, Greg. I, I I look back at it, and I don't I don't regret the decisions I made because they made me the 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 entrepreneur and the fund manager that I am today. Because, you know, I I take principle preservation, I think more seriously than than some of my peers do because I've been in a position where I had lost everything. You know, after mm-hmm. sixteen years as a firefighter, I, I, my house was actually being repossessed. This was around the time of the market crash. Um, I had a lot of unsecured debt. And a lot of financial mm-hmm. ignorance, and you know, you pay a price for for education, either you know through classes or you know seminars or university, whatever your journey is, or, or you pay for it, you know, with your with your the skin off your rear end. So you know, I, I paid a heavy price, and um, yeah, that that was that was the journey, and I, and I started I started learning real estate in two thousand and seven. 
<laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. And then I come out, I'm rearing to Good go year. 2008, <laughs> right? 2008 yeah. is really, I launched and it was funny, man. People, I'm all excited about my new journey as, a, as an entrepreneur and a real estate investor and a house flipper. And I had some construction background. <laughs> People used to say yeah. to me, Dave, what do you do, man? I'm like, I'm a real estate investor. And they go, oh, <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. It was almost like we had a, you know, like we had a cancer back then. So, yeah, from firefighting to fund managing, uh, a book coming soon to your local, uh, <laughs> your local Amazon distributor. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, sa- sounds like it. And the, you know, there's definitely some parallels I know um, uh, to myself as well as you know, I'm I'm also an immigrant, and uh, okay. don't tell anyone. And right, and right. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm 29 years old, so maybe. Uh, I'm not, don't expect to be a firefighter anytime soon, but, uh, but, uh, similar timeline there. Mm. Um, so, so what exactly pulled you into the real estate market in 2007? Like, did you, yeah. you just decided, you know, yeah, this is what I want to do to try and try yeah, and make some look, money? I, um, it's funny, you know, I, I, you, your Canadian background and my, my English background, you know, <laughs> the education we got in, in financing is, is pretty, pretty similar. Like the mm-hmm. Canadians are fiscally responsible, as are the English. When yeah. I told my father that in the great country of America you could spend more money than you earned, he thought <laughs> I he thought I had lost my mind. And you know, for for a guy without any any direction or a financial intelligence, that's a pretty dangerous situation to be in. We're, we're bombarded twenty four seven with advertising. Keep up with the Joneses, latest cars, boats, leather coats. Yeah, and you know, I I got sucked into that and. You know, I stepped into real estate in 2007 because I, I, I was out of choices. There weren't any more hours that I could trade in the day for somebody else's money. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked fire department. I worked, uh, I ran a small construction company. I did a part-time job nights and weekends. It was like, dear Lord, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do and I'm not getting the results. You know, I need, mm-hmm. I need some freaking help. So I understand what it, what it is to work for retirement, to work for, you know, your family's well-being. And mm-hmm. you tell me what you think about this, Greg, and, and you don't have to go any crazier on it than I do. But I, I, I stepped back once I started the entrepreneurial journey of real estate. And, and to be frank with you, that I, I, I heard a, a commercial on the radio, a uh, free, free one and a half hour seminar coming to your neck of the woods to teach you how to flip houses. And I'm like, that's how I really started. I, you know, when, when somebody said to me one time, the definition of luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. And the opportunity was there, and I was prepared because I'd been beaten up by following somebody else's rule book finances. But my thoughts around this always were, it's like you work so hard, or I did, we do. I work so hard Mm -hmm. for somebody else to give me some money at the end of the week. And the money that they give me at the end of the week was designed to give me and my family quality time together, some financial security. And I don't know. It sounds kind of dumb saying it today, but you know what it did was was it took me out of my house, 120 hours every week. I was out of my mm-hmm. home, trying to create some financial stability in my life, and you can only do that for so long before there is no marriage, there is no home, there's only debt, and um, you know I experienced that. So when today, without you know going forward and back and forward and back, but I think is it's important. Today, when I bring in, um, you know, investors' retirement funds into our business model, I, I protect it like, like it's my own. It's like 
I'm very proud to say in my investing career, I have not lost one dime of mine or somebody else's capital ever. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that statement. So I came from, I came from a place of, of really raw, I don't want to use the word desperation because it sounds, it sounds kind of out of context, but I came from a place of, of, of dry, driven. I mean, I was, yeah. I was, I was low, man. I was driven. I was driven to change. And that it's drive that, uh, is, yeah. That, that trial by fire sort of thing, right? Where, you know, where you're in that, um, what I used to call it, like a um, survivability mode where, where you're yeah. just pushing to survive and that kind of drives you forward. Yeah, absolutely. It does. I, I used, um, I think I still have it somewhere in my, my, my home office, a slogan that I, I had in front of me. And it was kind of like the same slogan I used as a firefighter was that I never quit. I never lay down and I never surrender because if I quit mm-hmm. as a firefighter, people die. If I quit today as a fund manager, people's retirement goals and investing goals do not happen. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that propensity for motion and always driving forward is it's in me, man. It makes me feel like I'm 21 years old every day and I'm 53. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I get up and I'm ready to go, baby, go bring it on. Let's go find an, another investor. Let's go find another deal. And it's, you know, out of, yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's a rags to riches kind of concept, man. The ashes of disaster grow the roses of success. It's like, you know, yeah. for me personally, I had to experience the, the, the crash and burn, you know, journey of an individual to be able to be out there and be as powerful as I am today. Like I don't take any shit from anyone. It's like, you know, I've seen it all. Yeah. Don't tell me it's an emergency because I know what a real emergency looks like. It's just a problem. Let's find the freaking solution. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a blue collar attitude in a white collar world. And a lot of my peers mm-hmm. in, in finance, they, they don't, they don't always appreciate it. And I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? I'm okay ruffling yep. a few feathers when it comes to, you know, pretentious uh, fund managers and pretentious investors and stuff. I just give them a friendly slap and, and move forward. That's the way I'm built. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely drives me. Well, you definitely came into it from a, I think an untraditional uh, yeah. direction, right? And then maybe that ruffles some feathers, as you said, but like at, at the end of the day, it's, you have a different unique mindset and a different view on on real estate investing right which which yeah yeah Look, may give his, you an edge on on other yeah people. it does it does give me an edge because here's the thing it's it's um let's be frank right the marketplace in which we're in today requires a rescue mentality okay mm-hmm. um it's not it's not a risk mentality it's not a let's roll the dice with some Bitcoin or some fracking <laughs> or some, right? It's not, it's not, yeah. it's not. Am I going to roll the dice on the next big pharma breakthrough? Am I going to roll the dice in, in, you know, the next tech breakthrough? For me, I've, I've, I've looked at this scenario and I've bought that mentality of, does it make sense? Is it honest? Is it legal? Is it ethical? Can I do mm-hmm. it? Do I want to do it? And if I can answer all of those questions, then I do it. It's as simple as that. And because I've maintained that that ethical approach to every investment I've ever done, it creates a wave of um, uh, of connectivity with other investors, you know, fund managers, and 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 multifamily um, acquisitions teams 
but more importantly, it creates a connectivity with my investors, with the, you know, the Americans that have created some kind of value in their lives and now looking at it, they're looking at retirement accounts, they're looking at their, their capital. I, I had one guy tell me he thinks he just wants to stay in the bond market. You know, and the guys, you know, the guys carrying 10, 15, 20 million dollars in liquidity from a sale of a, of a business. And I'm like, my Lord, my friend, please, worst case scenario, I double the bond market. <laughs> you know what I mean? Worst case yeah. scenario. So it's like that, that fear of, of, you know, where you follow, where you follow somebody who's been where you want to go. And that's, that's kind of part of our messaging. That's part of our, you know, our marketing strategies is like, I've got a really, really big wide back and you are more than welcome as an investor to not have to do the work, but jump on and enjoy the journey. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just been, it's been repetitive is what it is. If you do something once, you can do it again and again and again, always paying attention to the, to the landscape and what's happening around you and then being able to pivot on a dime. Don't sit there and overthink it. Don't sit there and reanalyze 400 times, you know. Don't look for perfection. Yeah. Perfection doesn't exist. It's the nem- nemesis of progress, right? We know these things. So it's mm-hmm. it's forward motion, and, and that creates more motion, and, and that's that's what makes us successful. Great. So so what happened, um, you know, what was your first deal look like in 2007? Yeah, <laughs> it sure as hell doesn't <laughs> look like they do today. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Look, man, I, I was – I was very proficient in the single family business, 2007, eight, nine. Um, mm-hmm. if, if anybody who listens to your, your podcast has ever, you know, played in the single family sandbox, uh, one of the, the fastest ways to make some kind of earnings is what they call a wholesale transaction where, you know, get a piece of real estate under contract with a seller and then sell the equitable interest in that contract to another investor. And mm-hmm. that was the first deal I did. And it was $5,000. And I made a profit on this thing of five grand. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, oh, and freaking gee, this is real, man. It works. Like yeah. I never owned the real estate. And I got a check in my hand from an attorney <laughs> for $5,000. And look, when you're, when you're losing your home and, mm-hmm. you know, just trading time for money, think about what some people have done in their lives, Greg, to create $5,000. And I got a check. <laughs> I, took, I was so. I was so dumbfounded and, and so like amazed that I had actually completed yeah. this deal. When I stepped out of the attorney's office that day, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was looking up and down the street. Like it felt, I was waiting for the cops to show up. It felt so, so bizarre to me. <laughs> I almost thought, my God, you know, the FBI's coming in the big, big black sedans. Um, but you know, <laughs> you're in motion again, man. That's, that's my, that's my undercurrent. My undertow is always to be moving forward. So, that was my first deal. It was a it was a bank owned property, a REO real estate owned asset here mm-hmm. in the Boston market. Put it under contract with the asset management company that uh, got it on their books, and actually um, sold the, the the purchase and sales agreement to an investor. Check this out: an investor who had offered seventy thousand dollars on this asset three weeks earlier and been rejected. I learned mm-hmm. the algorithms of the banks and the asset managers back then, and I got my thirty-five thousand dollar bid in there just in time, uh, <laughs> and then and then sold my equitable interest to, to that investor for five grand. So, yeah, it was it was eye opening. It was definitely a um, a game changer for me to see that uh, that it was real. It's almost like this, and I don't know because I know you're in 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 the markets yourself. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it felt like there was there was a secret rule book 
or a, or a, a secret code, if you will, the you know the financial institutions, Wall Street, uh, commercial real estate investors at a high level, you know, market investors, you know, your, your Warren Buffetts of the world. Like there was a there, there was like a like an unwritten code or a secret code that existed, and and I I truly felt that. And it, it, two things for me, man, it enraged me, first of all, <laughs> with my blue collar background, because I felt like I'd been sold a bag of a bag of goods, you know, just a bag of BS. Yeah. You know, my 401k was going to take me to the finish line and put more money in your city pension and all of that silliness that was yeah. that was sold to me. Um, but, you know, it enraged me, number one, and then number two, it motivated me and it motivated me to go seek. And, uh, you know, to bring it to, to a spiritual basis, if I can, you know, those that seek shall find. So yeah. that was that was the driver from that very first deal was like, I want to do this again. I want to do it more often. I want to do it bigger, better and faster. And, and mm-hmm. that and that that's what I did. I just poured gasoline on 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 the foundation that I built for myself. That's great. And um, and so what happened after that in the next, you know, following few years? I know that, um, you know some of our listeners may know you from a, from a TV show, but, um, yeah, yeah, some may, may not, <laughs> some may not, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. but they, they may go look at it after. <laughs> yeah, they, they should. Oh, by the way, <laughs> it's on Amazon prime right now, mm-hmm. all 29 episodes of A and E's hit TV show, flipping Boston. There you go. There's my, there's my shameless there's plug the, for the show. There you go. Yeah. Um, um yeah. So it, when did you start, that and how how did that process how go? Did, yeah, look, it was funny. So I, I I go to that that seminar to teach me how to do real estate at my lowest point, and um, you know I invested twenty seven thousand dollars of my wife's credit card money into my yeah. education, and um, yeah. I, you know that day I bought accountability and I implemented what I learned. I got traction. You know, I had mentors, I had guidance, I had people helping me along the way. And, you know, when I turn around and I looked over my shoulder six months, eight months, a year later, I had built a track record of buying single family houses, fixing them, selling them, wholesaling them, increasing my, my network and consequently my net worth, right? They go hand in hand. Yeah. And um, the guys that I was learning the business from in the seminar world um, noticed my track record and asked me to teach. And I'm like, you guys are out of your trees. What do you mean teach? I'm just, I'm just coming out of, you know, potentially losing my house. Now you want me to teach wealth creation through real estate? They said, dude, you're doing it. You're killing it. You're crushing it. You're, you're following the program. And I became an educator. And once you step into um, a different sphere of influence, everything in your life changes. The way you think, the way you look at circumstances, the way you look at situations. You know, I worked a lot on personal development and I, I, I found myself rubbing elbows with some of the very best online marketers in the world. Gary Vaynerchuk's, mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 Hearn, this guy, he was a surfer out of California. And these guys were early in the, the online marketing world. And, and one of those guys sent me a link um, saying that there was a company in New York, a production company was looking to do a new show. And, you know, you should fill it out, Dave. You're a funny guy or something like that, he said. And and I looked at this vanilla application and I thought to myself, there's probably thousands of, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who want to get a TV show, right? Your 10 minutes of fame. 
And I thought yeah. to myself, what could I do with a vanilla online application to separate myself <laughs> from the pack? And in a moment of clarity and inspiration, I decided to go back to my firefighter roots and use as much profanity as I possibly could in my application. <laughs> <laughs> straight up, straight up, brother. That's what I did. Wow. And uh, yeah, name of your company I put on there, you know, go F yourself, LLC. And I just kept on growing <laughs> it and growing it. And the theme of the application was, was, you know, don't call me, you New Yorkers. You know, the Boston Red Sox hate the Yankees and I hate you. And, you know, all this kind of stuff I'm writing in this application. <laughs> Yeah, don't call me. Uh, just get on a plane, train, or automobile. Come to Boston. I'll show you how to get it done. I was still in the fire department back then. I said, you know, yeah. I do real estate the same way. When everybody else goes running out, we go running in. And then I sent in the application. And 15 minutes later, 212 area code calls me. I answered the phone. I said, I thought I told you not to call me. You, you, you ding gone. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that I'm praying, oh, please call back. And that's where it started, man. The guy said to me, you're either <laughs> crazy funny. or a lunatic. I said, I'm both. We shot a little pilot thing that A&E looked at. And they said, uh, you know, that big Englishman looks like he could get pretty angry. We'd like to see more of that. You know, and I played, <laughs> you know, I played Angry Dave on the show for a while. And, you know, we ended up doing 29 episodes and, and three and a half, almost four seasons. And the only reason the show was, sh yeah, the only reason the show was shut down was that, um, a&E stopped doing the uh, Saturday morning programming um, mm. section that they did. They changed their, you know, their image. It's funny, those those reality shows and networks, they, they change themselves around like most people change their underwear. So it never has any yeah. real con consistency to it. So, yeah, that's how it started. And, and with that, you know, then everything took off. Now you've got national exposure. I'm on the mm -hmm. Today Show. I'm on CNBC. I'm on Squawk Box. I'm... You know, I do Rachel Ray every now and that doesn't sound right. I'm on the Rachel Ray show every, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm yeah. on the Rachel Ray show. Every, that didn't sound right at all, did it? You know, we, we were on the Rachel Ray show and it's funny. I did an episode with uh, Regis Philbin from, from, yep. uh, and he just passed away recently. So I know I'm getting older, so I can't mm -hmm. even go, go hang out with Reg anymore. So, and that, and that brings a whole new network again, right? Then, then the game is elevated one more time. So that's that's how we landed the show. Profanity that my grandmother said I should never use. So I used it and it worked. It worked. She'd be so proud though. She would. She's looking down on me with a smile on her face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Great. So so obviously you enjoyed it. Uh enjoyed the show while it um while it lasted, right? And mm -hmm. and pro mm -hmm. did did you learn more about the the marketing aspect i imagine or or a little bit of real estate as well while you're on that or yeah or, look, um, we we here's what was interesting we did four episodes and we figured that would be it right and yeah just a cool story to tell your grandkids well we yeah. had the the highest rating on a saturday morning in that time slot that any had ever had and then they yeah. come back and they go you guys are killing it give us 13 more episodes well that's that's 13 more houses and look I understand real estate inside out, back to front, upside down, and around the mm -hmm. and around the mulberry bush, for want of a better term. And in New England, our, our stock is old. I mean, it's not yeah. you know, it's not Las Vegas houses that you can just pretend that, that they're dirty and pick them <laughs> up and say, "Oh my God, I flipped the house." So for yeah. us, you know, we we really have to get down like real. down into it. Yeah, it's real, and real all of our problems. numbers were yeah. real. Yeah, real problems. You know, real real B and E during the the nighttime yep. ceiling stuff. It was all it was all real. Um, so with that came a, you know, a pretty hefty commitment in time. Um, 
So what I learned was is that America likes uh, one of the the executives at A and E said America likes popcorn television, and what she meant mm-hmm. by that was is they want to start a show, go get a bag of popcorn, come back, and whatever they missed isn't important, which is kind of sad that that's the you know that's the the, yeah. the driver in I America, right? Right? They just want fluff. Yeah. It's all it's all BS. They just want fluff. <laughs> you know, you, you look at you look at the daytime programming and. Oh my God! He put up a sliding door. That's gorgeous. Everybody clap. Oh, <laughs> let's paint four tiles and make a little tile box. Oh, you know it's like come on, people. Where, where the hell are we? Especially been? now because they're they're on their phones half the time anyway. When you're watching something, right? So yeah, then you really can't can't pay attention. So. Right, right. So I learned, you know, I learned that marketing needs to be impactful. Tony Robbins called yeah. it a conscious interruption. Right. I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta interrupt your consciousness, and you know it's funny. You talk about that profanity that I put in the, uh, in the application. If you ever go to a live Tony Robbins event, for example, to really get get some massive change, he uses a ton mm-hmm. of profanity at those events, and he does it purely <laughs> to interrupt consciousness, because you know we 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 kind of walk around in a fog a lot of the times, just doing the same thing over and over again. And it's only that that massive, massive action with massive passion gives massive results, right? Yeah. So I learned I learned to be to be impactful. I learned to to slap consciousness around, which is, you know, part of that blue collar attitude in a white collar world, if you will. I promise I promise everybody and anybody who, who has ever interacted with me didn't forget that they met me. And that's not ego. <laughs> that's just how I do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's part of my journey going forward. Um, so the show w- was good. I mean, it, it it put me on stages with guys like Tony Robbins, with Damon John from Shark Tank, um, our mm-hmm. business model today, our fund that uh, we're raising capital for for investing in Florida. You know, one of my advisory board members is the original shark on Shark Tank, Kevin Harrington. So I got to meet mm-hmm. these kinds of powerful people of industry along the way. And with my mindset of you'll never forget you met me, you know, implement that. Then when the time is right to go revisit those relationships, um, I found that the door has always been open. So, you know, if, if there was if there was one thing that, that that show did for me personally, it was to elevate my network one more time. And can I always elevate it again? Of course. Of course I can. I, I do that even with my yep. fun today, you know, mentorship and guidance. So it, it was cool. It was cool, you know. It's cool to like, oh, you're that guy from the TV show. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But at the end of it, to be very honest with you, Greg, it was it was a pain in the rear end. It was like, really, we got to film that thing again. You know what I mean? Like filming the same, yeah. the same piece it's over and easy. over. No, it's not. It's not easy. Actually, r- real estate investing is probably easier, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the tagline actually of our company: real estate investing made easy. Um, which there we you go. Trade, which we have trademarked, so you can't take it. Um, <laughs> yeah. but it is. I mean, it is easier. Um, you know, the the TV world is cutthroat. Um, you you open yourself up to all kinds of criticism, good and bad. Um, but yep. it, you know, it allowed me to launch into other business adventures in the education space, in the personal development space. And it's funny, man. I talk about those things, but in the background, there was always real estate, man. It was always going on. I was always buying multifamilies. I was always investing with retirement accounts. I was always, you know, buying and selling single families. I was always Mm -hmm. lending. 
I was a private lender, a hard money lender. Like I was, it, that was just on autopilot in the background. And, um, you know, in that TV career, it's kind of interesting. I was approached so many times to do exactly what I'm doing today. Yeah. And I was always distracted. I was always yeah. distracted. And, you know, those distractions, yeah, I think they, they cost um, potential, you know, uh, uh, potential earnings that, that could have been there. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you, know, you got to have some but belief you- that, that God is good and the journey's purposeful. You know what I mean? That's how <laughs> yeah, I you, you wouldn't it. have the stories you, you have today. That's for sure, right? That's for sure. Man, I got stories, yeah. brother. Oh, I got <laughs> stories. That's for sure. <laughs> Listen good to stuff. me though. Watch, watch. Storytelling is the most powerful marketing and networking uh, strength that a person can have. Really, it's the truth. Some people... It. Some people, it's it's just not their their happy place. For other people, it, it's easier, you know, embellish Look, a little and, and create characters yeah. and journeys in somebody's head. You know, one of the most powerful things I learned in storytelling and also in business is to open my sentences with "What would it be like if?" What would it be like? Yeah. What would it be like if your retirement account was working in a secure environment known as a real estate fund? Where it had targeted returns of eight to fourteen percent, and internal rates of return north of twenty percent. What what would that be like? What more could you be doing with your life? And let people, you know, like storytelling. Yeah. People enjoy the experience. So you know, it's second nature well, look, to me today. It, it, what's crazy to me is is if you look at the public markets these days, it's it's all about stories because yeah, of course. You know, it's not fun. It's not about fundamentals anymore, in my opinion. It's, it's, you know, look at, look at Tesla, look at these other companies. I mean, they're great companies, but, but people are out there putting, you know, now they're, they're trading, you know, on the Robinhood account and buying companies because they like the brand or they like, you know, it has nothing to do with valuation. It's all about How did that happen? I don't know. (laughs) So watch this. Watch this. I nearly lost my, my shizzle yesterday. I'm driving home from the office, and I hear on local news radio that Kentucky Fried Chicken has changed its mar- uh, its marketing slogan, right? Because <laughs> because finger licking good is no longer the right message to send to people because of the current health crisis that our country is facing. Right? <laughs> and I'm thinking That's to crazy. myself, Are you out of your freaking trees? How about this? <laughs> How about the colonel send out a marketing strategy that says, hey, you nasty individual, wash your hands before you eat your finger-licking chicken, (laughs) and then you can still lick your fingers. And it's the same kind of concept. It's like the fundamentals of common sense, the fundamentals of business practices, the fundamentals of analysis of a business's multipliers, the fundamentals... Dear, look at you. You got me all going now. Oh my God. I got to sit down. Why is it? Why is it that people believe that our economy is strong when it's propped up on Mickey Mouse money? The you know, government they're, they're... has put so much capital into the oh, marketplace without any yeah. trade for GDP. Nothing. You don't have to it's do crazy. anything. Here's some money. There is an yeah. absolutely serious, serious consequence to those actions. And I get it, I, man. I get it. We're trying to take care of each other. But I don't please. disagree. <laughs> it's crazy. 
Dude, as for Kentucky old, Fried how Chicken, how old are you, Greg? I'm tw- 29. 29. Please don't let my generation brutalize <laughs> yours. I mean that sincerely. Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen. My generation will screw it up so bad. My my oldest boy is twenty five, so he, you know he's a millennial. Yeah. He's a weirdo like you. Yep. And <laughs> but you know yep. that what what is happening now will absolutely destroy futures if we're not careful. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. I I mean, so so here's a here's one. Bring back the uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> the yeah. the um their that strategy you know them changing their slogan or or whatever yeah. that that in some ways do you think that's just to get publicity because to me it's like that might wake people up to oh maybe i should buy can, some kentucky fried chicken stock you know like you some shares in that company that's their version of profanity I mean, in the application you that's what i was well, thinking yeah you could very well be thinking. right yeah. you could very well be right or or it's just pandering to the current political <laughs> environment. Yeah. So there's there's my right there's the baby boomer view versus yeah. the millennial view. Isn't that interesting? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And neither one is yeah. right nor wrong. Right. It's just it's just a it's just a thought process. Is what it is. Yeah. But but here's here's the thing, man. And you said it, and, and it's so critical to, to 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 reiterate and iterate again and again and again. One word: fundamentals. Fundamentals yeah. and common sense. Mm-hmm. I read a I read an article recently by Diana Orlick. She's a, a real estate um, writer for CNBC, and um, I don't know that it's her opinion or whether she's just sharing information. But uh, you know the uptick in uh, HELOCs, home equity lines of credit, so that people can you know do something new and beautiful to their home because they sit there watching HG freaking TV, right? Yeah. And I couldn't help but, again, like I want to get on a soapbox sometimes and scream and shout. And I'm like, if you're getting a HELOC, get the cash out and hold on to it for dear life for now. (laughs) Because you're going to be needing it when your forbearance hits. You're going to be needing it when, Mm -hmm. you know, when all of these these free money scenarios are no longer in play. Because, one, it's either not politically correct or, two, we find some resolution to the, to the, the, the health crisis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I just, I, I just, I ponder, my friend, I ponder on, on why fundamentals have, have fallen out of favor, why it's not, you know, it's not cool or trendy to offer solid returns uh, secured by sticks and bricks because people will live yeah. in houses and apartments forever, right? Forever. Mm-hmm. We're always going to need a roof over our head. Why is it that those fundamentals aren't as sexy as, as Tesla stock? <laughs> why? You know why what? It, you know? I don't know. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy how, how the fundamentals fall out of favor. And and I'm a, you know, I'm I'm again old school, right? I grind. I'm a grinder. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a pit bull in the background, uh, fighting for for myself and and my investors. So, yeah, that's a big picture conversation that we could we could have for days on end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so now, um, you know, what you you've just launched a fund or are launching a fund? What's the what's yeah. the deal there? Let's get yeah. Into that. So yeah, sure. So um, you know, this fund was created purely as a um, as a preparation for COVID. 
you know, if COVID hadn't hit, um, I can't tell you in all honesty that the fund would have been created. So here's the, here's the, you know, the logistics or the, or the common sense behind it. Um, the lending space in which I was in, uh, hard money lending, uh, yep. was prop, propped up by Wall Street. Uh, you know, Wall Street was buying secondary, uh, buying notes yep. on the secondary and tertiary markets. And, you know, hard money lenders were making money on the spread. And I saw multiple businesses that I was competing with go out of business in three days. Three days. They were gone because they, wow. they didn't have a real balance sheet. You know, if you mm-hmm. don't have a real balance sheet, if you don't control the capital, when when chaos hits and circumstances change, you know, people are, are then knocked out of the business. So I stepped back. I took a big breath. I looked. And I, I just, I don't know where it came from, but in my head, it said, I said to, I just said to myself, he or she who controls the capital will rent, win this race, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's controlling capital. And, um, a very dear friend of mine, uh, down in the Florida market, gentleman by the name of Walter Novicki, a couple of years older than me, 25 plus years of experience in syndicating multifamily assets. Mm-hmm. Syndication is one deal. Group of investors come in, gap fund, you know, put the money down on the transaction. Bank comes in on a leveraged position, takes out the rest of the uh, the acquisition price, and then that group of investors and the sponsor, in this example, mm-hmm. my my partner Walter, you know, they would then take that multifamily commercial asset, forty to one hundred and forty unit apartment complex, fix its issues, its problems, just like any other business, right? Mm-hmm. Fire the management if they're no good lease up empty space, deferred maintenance, you know, get everything up and running, increase the cash flow or the NOI, net operating income. You increase the valuation of the property based on the market capitalization rate. Simple, right? Simple, beautiful business yeah. model. Walter had um, taken a couple of, couple of years off from his syndicated business model, uh, mm-hmm. done some traveling, done some education, increased his network. And, um, he called and he said, what do you see? And I said to him, as I said to you, Greg, I said, he or she controls the capital wins. He said, it's like you were reading my mind. He said, I can keep syndicating and turn that on again. He said, or I can go big. And I said, well, what are you thinking? He said, a $100 million fund. Let's get a raise going. Uh, yeah. Reg D, 506C, SEC securities compliant, right? Filings, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, making sure that everything's copacetic. He said, and what we can do is let's raise that capital. We'll use your TV, you know, presence. I always talk about the guy from the TV show as somebody else. Yeah. We'll use that marketing <laughs> draw. Um, we'll bring in the very best marketing systems that we can. Let's delve into our network and get the very best um, uh, advisory board that we can. So I brought in my accountant who, um, you know, has been the accountant on a half a billion dollar funds in the past. So mm-hmm. you bring that power, you bring Kevin Harrington's power, uh, my my property manager, gentleman by the name of John Dessau from the Anton Agency out in Chicago. And he's got over 3 million square feet of properties under management for his management company. So you bring in the right players. We create this this company. And then the business model is real real simple, man. It's not It's not complicated. COVID has created an exodus from the cities. People don't mm-hmm. want to be in in the uh, you know the, the the larger metropolitans, and they're looking for opportunities. 
So we we have a target area along the Gulf Coast of Florida where we yep. look at we look at the past business model of syndicating that Walter had done, plus my own experience, of course. And we say, okay, let's not just buy one, let's buy them all. Let's not just buy one, let's buy them all. And what we've done is is we found a beautiful little niche in the sense that we don't chase the large apartment complexes. We chase yeah. the smaller ones, Greg. We chase the 40 to 140. Let the Got big it. boys yeah. and the bigger funds chase these larger apartment complexes across the country. God bless them. Good luck turning that shit in this moment of crisis, <laughs> yeah. right? Whereas we can, we go with a speedboat mentality. Give me a 40-unit building that's underperforming, mm-hmm. and I can turn that a lot faster, and therefore I can make my quarterly distributions on time every time is the goal behind that, right? Yeah. My investors want to get paid. That's why they give me their money because they want cash flow. They don't want to wait yep. for it. They want it when? Now. So that's the business model that we put together. Um, we are in the early phases of our fundraise right now. I learned very quickly that 50% out of 100% of people who say they will, only 50% do, which is kind of, yep. which is kind of interesting. I'm sure you've got some experience with that. Absolutely. Um, there's a, there's actually a quote, um, you know, from an earlier podcast episode, one of, one of my other guests that uh, stuck with me a little bit was don't count the cash until it's in the account. Of course. Of course. So, of yeah. course, you know, what's interesting with us though, is, um, a, a pretty, pretty substantial portion of our mm-hmm. capital raise is coming through self-directed, um, IRAs and also, um, solo 401ks. So although, yeah. although again, you still can't count it until it's in the account, at least you can see that it's moving towards you. <laughs> you yeah. I mean? yeah. Uh, right. So, you know, Absolutely. Uh, you know commitments are, are, are right where we anticipated them to be at this moment in time. Um, the deals are, are waiting on the sideline, ready to go. Um, so, you know, we're right. At, it's interesting, man. We're right at that point of, you know, capital in. And now acquisitions under management. And as soon as yeah. as soon as you get that, you can make that statement. Um, everybody that I've talked to, including the guys that I'm, you know, I'm learning from. Like I, I practice what I preach. I go find the very best of what it is that I'm doing um, yeah. on the fund management side, and then I, I I engage them. You know, whether I engage them through reciprocity or, or capital, I engage them. And the gentleman that's kind of mentoring our company through the you know, the hoops and the challenges of, of, of a fund. And I'm, sp- yeah. I'm talking specifically about the process of raising money for a fund. I'm not talking yeah. about, you know, execution of real estate. I'm not talking about returns. I'm not talking about any of those things. I mean, I could do all of that with my eyes closed. But the actual steps of raising capital for a fund, the guy who's mentoring, if you will, or, or helping us through that, through that process has a billion with a B under management right now. And what's interesting, this cat's so bullish on this market. He's um, he's in the middle of underwriting a, 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 a portfolio that will double his assets under management in one move. Wow. And that's, you know, I love that kind of aggression because that aggression not only makes a statement in the marketplace, number one, but number two, think of all the service he can do for those investors who are going to have yeah. to look at the landscape of COVID and think to themselves, oh, my God, what now? When you've got somebody with that much expertise like him and now down mm-hmm. to us, right? Through, through, you know, it passes down. It's like knowledge passes yeah. down and implementation. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how the fund is, is structured. Like I said, it's a, a Reg D 506C fund. 
accredited investors only, $100,000 minimal um, investment. Um, and they're, buy, you know, they're buying into, into the management company, into us. And then, yeah. you know, that, that, commitment, um, that commitment buys them a percentage ownership in the fund. And the fund has multiple assets in it. So what's nice about fund structures is it also adds the diversification. So with diversification Absolutely. comes security. It's the safest, in my opinion, it's the safest, safest investment out there is mm-hmm. residential commercial going into, you know, 2021. Um, we, we have a six-year exit strategy uh, to, to maximize the returns for the investors. You know, we've got a one-year, one-year, um, uh, you know, repositioning of the assets. And then five years just to grow that thing and, and just put, put the put the gas on it, so that when we exit yeah. out in six years, you know we have targeted returns north of twenty percent for our investors, based on the the, the methodology of, of how we allocate and invest in these assets. It's a good time, man. We're excited. We're we like I'm living and breathing this twenty four seven. I just love getting up and going every day, doing calls like this, doing calls with investors. It's uh, it's 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 exciting, and you know what's interesting about it? when you're that much emotion, and you're that much committed to to like a process like this, all of the crap that's out there, it doesn't resonate anymore. Like I'm, yeah. I, you know, like I don't get up and go, oh my god, did I get my mask today? I hope I've got my mask with me. Like you know, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I just, I'm just not. Yeah. I don't know, man. I could be wrong, but it's like, you know, that's that I'm, passion, I'm, right? Yeah. So it's like the passion that you have for real estate investing is, is, you know, what drives you. And, and, and a lot of people struggle half their lives or their entire lives to try and find something that they're passionate about like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, man, that that's insightful. I, I, I used to say, <laughs> I haven't revisited this in a long time, but <laughs> everybody has that person in their life. And you say to them, Hey, how you doing? And the, the immediate answer is, nah, same old, same old, right? That's what people reply <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah. You know, same old S-H-I-T, different day. And yep. I think to myself, how sad is that? You know, how sad but is it, that? And it, it's, it's, it's the, uh, you know, it's the American curse. Uh, I don't know, man. It's the societal curse. It is what it is. I don't know. I don't what, know. What's- What's crazy to me is that the, those types of people, I mean, it, it's well within everyone's ability to do something about it. Correct. You know, if you're not happy with with some aspect of your life or you're in survival mode or whatever it is you're doing, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything's in your control. Uh, you know, you, you, you can make changes. Um, you can go back to school, get a different education, you know, just mm-hmm. jump in mm-hmm. headfirst into a different area that you're interested in. And, yeah. and um, you know, the, a lot of people just don't do that because they're they, they're scared sort of to even to even start um, you know something different. Let but, me ask let me ask you a question on that because yeah. it's it's kind of interesting to go with the baby boomer millennial you know yeah, uh, yeah. take on it. I let yeah. me ask you why why don't they do anything about it from 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 your opinion from your from your generational outlook to it? Why is it that mediocrity is acceptable? Would you say what do you think it is? I, I think, you know, I, th- I think it comes from um, what you've been told, um, you know, that you can or can't do or you should do. Um, listen, like in, in Canada, for instance, like 
culturally, it's very different than the U.S., but um, culturally, it's everyone, I feel like, has been told you, you have to get a job, you have to work, you know, your 40 hours a week, uh, your eight-hour days for the next 20 years, and you have to buy a house as early as possible with as much debt as possible. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and because it's important that you're a, that you own your house and you're not renting. But but then people get into trouble because they do that. And, you know, it, it's it's I feel like it's it's as you said earlier in, in the podcast, you, you felt like you've been told a, a, a bunch of lies. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like people don't um, expand their network. Right. And expand mm. and talk to people, which is kind of the point of the podcast that, you know, fun views is is to try and help people um you know, learn from other professionals and people that are, yeah. have been successful and and, yeah. and and about their successes, but also their failures, right? That lead to further successes, um, you know, throughout throughout that that process. But um, you know, I, for for instance, you know, my story. Eventually, I'll I'll tell more of my story on the on these podcasts. But my story was, um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do in finance. I was uh, having trouble finding a, finding a job, finding a career path and thought I wanted to be a sales trader. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, um, uh, and then I, you know, what I did was a little different. I, I wasn't getting anywhere with, with, you know, regular, um, job applications. I wasn't even getting a call back. So instead I, I started sending cold messages and cold emails on LinkedIn and, and wherever I could research funds or find different, you know, niche areas in finance and just try and get people on the phone, learn from them, talk to them sort of like we are now. Yeah. And, and learn, you know, what they did to get where they are and, and, and try and gather as much knowledge from that as possible. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people are scared to do that. And, and that's where I learned a lot of the things that I know is just by talking to people. Mm, mm, no, I love it. And I, I, I agree with that as well. You know, it's the fear of doing something different, right? And and a guy said to me one time, yep. fear stands for either false evidence appearing real or false education <laughs> appearing real. You know, you yep. apply it. And and I want to add to what you said, and I agree with you 100%. If you are given one rule book and you never mm-hmm. question that rule book, you're going to get the results of the game, however it's played, right? Generationally, yep. uh, you know, I got the same information in England as you got in Canada. But here's yeah. the here's I think here's the the differentiator between you know the 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 mediocre and the inspired is mm-hmm. ownership of circumstance, and I think that's where that's where a lot of people you know can't can't face the realities. Can can yeah. you look can you look yourself in the mirror at three o'clock in the morning and own it? <laughs> you know what I mean when nobody else is around, yeah. right? When you got nobody else's opinion and you're just there with you, that's when true honesty shows up. And, um, you know, for, for investors who are not happy with their investments, guess what? You own that. Not me, yeah. not Wall Street, nobody else, not, not your financial advisor, you know, mm-hmm. not, your, not your trader, not the last, you know, Bitcoin webinar that you signed <laughs> up for. You know what I'm saying? It's like none of that is responsible for your investing. You are. Um, and, and again, to go full circle, what are the fundamentals? Right. What are the fundamentals, the core principles of investing? Right. Money goes out. That's an investment. And then money has to come back with friends. Right. And that's a return. Right. Cost doesn't mean a damn thing. Return means everything. Return means everything. 
Um, so I, I look, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It's, um, it's definitely an interesting time with that much fear and uncertainty in the marketplace. Uh, but it creates yeah. unprecedented opportunities for those that look at themselves as victors rather than victims of circumstance, right? You got to own it or not. I don't care. Absolutely. It my life, yeah. but it could change, <laughs> right? But it could change somebody else's. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'd and- rather people, you know, I'd rather people more people take the leap of faith and sort of, you know, find something that they're passionate about or, or, yeah. or try something new. I mean, it, it life's more interesting that way. Yeah. Yeah. Inspired, um, right. Rather than, yeah. de- than desperate for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. with you, man. I'm with you. So, See that? Look, who says millennials and, and baby boomers? <laughs> exactly. Hmm. <laughs> um, so I'll ask one last question here. What mm-hmm. what advice would you give to people contemplating a career change? And this is kind of along the lines of what we were just talking about. Yeah. What what advice would you give to people that are, you know, partway through, you know, a career, maybe they're 30, 40, 45, 35, whatever it may be, and they're they're just they're trying to figure out how am I gonna change my career and they're interested in real estate. What yeah. what would you say is the best way for them to break in? Yeah, great question. I think I think one of the the exercises that excuse me I took personally which I think is uh was beneficial to me was a guy said to me one time he said go home tonight and write down a list of 10 things you like about you. I'm like, mm-hmm. "What?" He said, "Go go and write down the things that you're good at. What do you like about you?" And it's interesting, we're really good at writing down the things we don't like about ourselves, right? And he yeah. said, "If you write down that list of 10 things that you like about you, he said, now write down a, a list of 10 things that, that you want to do. What, what could you see those skills being used in what environments? But some people mm-hmm. think it's real estate that they should be doing, and they're not designed for real estate. He said, yeah. and then, you know, what, be honest with yourself. What, what gets you excited, right? Is it just money? Money is, is unimportant. Money has no real value today, right? It's a, it's yeah. a, you know, it's a devaluing commodity. So less and less value depending on what the fed does <laughs> of course let's print some more money and add some more zeros we'll be fine <laughs> um but you know one of the things for me was is if 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 real estate here's here's the thing i'm sorry man i i don't because i can answer that so many different ways there are two <laughs> things that i have I've, I've consistently studied i've consistently studied people and money and how people react and interact with money and if you can get a better relationship with your money and somebody else's money, and when I say a relationship, like an understanding of how people think, feel, react, and interact around capital, you'll find a mm-hmm. way to bring a service to the marketplace where people will want to deploy capital for what you have. And if you can think about real estate as a service-driven business rather than a, a, a sticks and bricks business or a money business, you know, if you think of a, a place of service, um, mm-hmm. I found it was a lot easier to get into real estate. The first person I had to serve was myself, but I did that through serving others, finding the right deal and the right deal makers to put something together. So educate yourself. Don't speculate on it. I, I beg yeah. of you, don't wing it. I've made those mistakes for you. Understand that you will fail, but you choose whether you fail forward or fail back. Find somebody. Yeah. Find somebody who is doing what you want to do at the highest level possible. Take your pride in your ego, put it to one side where the sun don't shine, be teachable, 
and then implement what you learn. Though that would be my very, very best advice to somebody who's who's trying to change. And look, and I get it. We all have responsibilities, right? Some of us have kids, yeah. mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. Take care of the basics and then allocate time. And don't tell me you don't have enough time. You can always find time if you want something bad enough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks. Um thanks for joining me, Dave, on on Fun Views and and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me on the show, brother. Be well, God bless, and I'll uh, I'll see you on the way up. Sounds good. Bye. And that's it for today's show. I hope you found it insightful and entertaining. If you did, give us a like, follow, or subscribe on your favorite streaming or social media platform at Fun Views Podcast or funviewspodcast.com. Till next time. <laughs>